Hey everyone, Frank here. I just want to throw in a content warning that we forgot when we started the episode. Just throwing a quick content warning in that there's a brief mention of ableism. Uh, so yeah, just want to give you a heads up. Alright, see you later. Bye! Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your apologetic neophyte. And today we are going to be checking out some Degrassi-adjacent media. Uh, today we decided that we were going to check out the movie Spectacular! Exclamation point. <sighs> so Frank, you were the one who made the selection, so I am putting you on the spot right now. Why did you pick this? Andrea Lewis was in it. We kept saying we wanted more Andrea Lewis, and we got... We got 15 minutes of a one hour and 33 minute movie. We got less than a normal episode of Degrassi amounts of Andrea Lewis, and guess what? She played the exact same character. This is so dark, but it's so true. So, um, you know, usually we do some form of a um, synopsis. Um, I... Though Gwyn is not here today, I did ask them before um, they were going to hang out with friend of the show, Kirsten. I was like, hey, Gwyn, what do you have to say about this movie? And Gwyn looks me dead in the eyes and goes, Mick Jagger impersonator swindles a show choir and left. (laughs) And which I went, Mick Jagger? And Gwyn went, the actor has a big mouth. And I was uncomfortable. (laughs) Wait, wouldn't that make him more Steven Tyler? Yes, it would make him more Steven Tyler. <laughs> Gwen does not know names of famous people. Okay, so for some reason, well, <laughs> we, um, my friends and I have a running joke about my Steven Tyler impression, which is, yow, I can fit my whole fist in my mouth, yow! <laughs> that was just the Slate character, guess what? And I, I, I at one point said, I'm a homunculus of death, Yow! <laughs> Oh my god. But, um, yeah, so that was the, that's a little bit, before we go too far into this, um, in terms of content warnings, there's, a lot of things are coded. Yes. There is very coded racism, very coded homophobia in the way that two characters are portrayed. I feel like that's going to be the bulk of the content warnings that we're really going to talk into. Also, like, there's creepy, like, I don't know, the lead the, the lead character's a fucking creep. I hate how he interacts with the female lead. He's disgusting. He's a disgusting little man. We'll talk about that as well. But um, we'll try our best to keep it as lighthearted as possible. But I'm um, a little bit about this movie because I did not know anything about it. Apparently, this came out in 2009. It was premiered on Nickelodeon with no commercials. It was just straight through the whole fucking movie. Um, um, and it was, like, very obviously in direct response to, like, High School Musical and Disney's, like, attempts at, and success, quite frankly, of musical pieces. And, you know, like, they're like, okay, we're gonna do it way differently than High School Musical. Instead of having super, like, charismatic and charming Zac Efron, instead we're gonna have this black hole of an actor 
<laughs> well, like, the thing that was weird about it was, like, their whole... Nolan Gerard Funk. Yeah, but, like, no, but they had, like, a whole thesis argument, basically, for why they were going, how they were going to approach this. And the way that they were going to approach it, we were like, we're going to have the dance sequences be organic. Like, we're not going to just have people bust into song, like, in a musical or in a high school musical, which was notorious for this. And they were like, we're going to make it, like, an organic extension of what is going on in the scene. And I was like, noble... But musicals have worked for literally <laughs> hundreds of years, and it has not led the format astray to just break into songs. So I don't know why you need to aggressively try to weave it into the storytelling. Like, the only time this works is when you're actively breaking down, like, you're breaking the fourth wall, and one character's just like, why, why is everybody dancing and singing? Like Yeah, like Enchanted and stuff like that. Rocco's Modern Life. That too. How, how do you guys all know the words and the moves? Oh, there were rehearsals. <laughs> but like, yeah, it was just like this, this aggressive attempt at like trying to beat Disney at its own game. And I feel like it was a huge failure. But it was really funny because I found a press release about it. So um, apparently... Um, even before it was premiered, when they just were having articles writing up about the fact that it was going to happen, they were basically like, yeah, we're going to lock in the actors. Like, we're going to option them potentially for sequels and shit like that. Like, we're definitely, we have a feeling this is going to be a success. And then it was like, it was released and crickets. <laughs> this is, you know what I realized as we're talking about this? This is the Hotel Nick of musicals. Hotel Nick. Oh, shit. Like the hotels of Nickelodeon well, fame in Florida? Yes. Oh, I love them. Okay, well, here's the thing. You remember the Defunct Land? Yes. Okay. You know me. I love Defunct Land. Okay, but like you know how they're talking about how Nick just like threw their prize characters at costume makers? Yes. And how like Disney's worked for years to make those costumes comforting and not horrible. Yeah, like you can look at them from multiple angles and they actually look inviting. That's the same thing with this musical. Yeah. I it, it, there's like this very this half assery about the whole entire thing. We'll talk about it. But my my fascination with this movie was that it was an hour and a half and that's a pretty fucking long time. For that's like mo many movies have been able to be told in a succinct and decent fashion in an hour and a half. Like there are a sizable amount of movies that can succeed with that layout, and yet this one was incapable of saying anything with that much amount of time. It. I mean, it's also just so basic and boring and like oh no, like you saw the plot twist coming a mile away. Yeah. You could really call them twists. I, I don't really know if I can even call them twists. I mean, we, we can get into it if you're ready. I mean, I'm ready as I'm ever going to be. Yeah. So <laughs> we have like the opening sequence. My direct reaction when I was watching everything kind of set up, I was like, was this a response to Camp Rock? Because I didn't know what, <laughs> what year this movie was out. Because, like, I don't know, I finally saw High School Musical a couple years back because I ended up directing a, a High School Musical Junior production, which is a funny story. Um, so I've only really seen High School Musical and High School Musical 2 of this whole entire, like, moment in time. But I've always worked with kids during this time period. So, like, I worked at summer camps and stuff like that during the time that these movies were out. So I was very aware of most of them, and I never heard a peep about Spectacular. Kids were really into the Disney ones. And when it opened up, I was like, oh, it's like Camp Rock, I guess. Um, even though I've never seen Camp Rock, it's just kind of what I'm, you know, surmising is Camp Rock. 
Um, but it opens up at like a small venue. There's a band playing. They're kind of just doing instrumentals and they're just vamping until their lead singer comes in. Um, and, and then he comes out and he just is singing this like really, he's like showboating. I kept calling him straight Adam Lambert because like all I could think about looking at him was like, especially because this was 2009. So this was like when Adam Lambert did his run on American Idol. Um, and all I could think about was looking at this dude going, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, he, they're trying really hard to, like, take an Adam Lambert aesthetic and make him look het. Like, the feathery, moppy, kind of dark hair, the leather, like, kind of like the leather jacket type looks, and, like, the dark colors, and the sneering, and the showboating, but, like, when Adam Lambert does it, it's sincere. Like, <laughs> when he does, and he's, there's a sincerity to it, there's a, a, there is this, you know, he's gay, there's that element kind of there where it's just like he he's celebrating himself and celebrating his sexuality and like that's, I don't know, I love Adam Lambert. I would take a bullet for the man. I think he's wonderful. But um, you kind of see that all drained as this guy performs and like the songs are so boring. I don't remember any of them by the end of this movie. Not, not a lot. A lot of them are about like, I'm gonna be who I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be like you. But like, they're not even done in a way that's interesting. Cause I feel like, you know, say what you will about some of the movies that came out during this time. But like, once again, I've, I've only seen High School Musical 1 and yet I feel like I can easily rattle off a few songs from all of the movies. And Camp Rock, I at least know like the opening song. Like they're catchy enough. Yeah. And these are just done in a way that's very uninspired. And and I do feel like to a certain extent this is kind of what happens when you, when you try to go against the musical formula without respecting it. Like it just kind of felt like they were like we're going to try and make like an anti-Disney musical. And in the process just it came out entirely uninspired. This is it's it's warm oatmeal. It's what? It's like oatmeal. Yeah, exactly. But like your your lead singer comes out um, and also the songs are really long because even this opening sequence, he like started going to the second verse and I'm like, oh, we're doing like a full length song here. Okay. <laughs> that, you know what the funny thing is? I, I, I recently saw Aladdin um, and I rem- for some reason I remember A Whole New World when I was younger being like five minutes long. I actually, I, like, put it in at the end of, like, Teen Girl Talk. It's two minutes long. Yeah, these, though, <laughs> Disney songs are are surprisingly short. Because, like, even if you look at, like, the runtimes for really, like, dramatic songs. Like, I love Hunchback and Notre Dame. That's my favorite Disney movie because I'm a fucked up little man, I guess. Um, but, like, those songs are so lush and they're so, like, dense and there's so so much going on with them but the track runtime on a lot of those songs is relatively short and and that goes for all of them like you want to be entertained yes but there's something to be said about like having a song be an effective two to three minutes um and having like a beautiful performance sequence and i mean also let's be real that's also animation right so like those songs are going to be shorter so that the animators are not creating like you know these really long detailed musical sequences so i do understand why those songs are going to be typically shorter but i felt like all of the songs that in this in this movie dragged for at least like a minute longer than i ever wanted them to yeah and it's there's a way to do show choir interesting. This is not the way to do it. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, what ends up happening is, like, he, he, the singer is performing the second verse, the guitarist is pissed off because he's not singing what he wrote, um, and, you know, we do, and he also, like, is very, like, the lead singer is very aggressive, for lack of better terms, and at one point, like, blows one of the amps, and after the, um, after the, after the set, the band is really angry about it and bring up a good point. They're like, hey, we're teenagers and you're fucking up our equipment. Like, we're not rock stars. We don't have, like, nonstop contracts. Which, by the way, I screamed. I was like, oh, my God, they're supposed to be in high school. <laughs> like, we talk about Degrassi and how much we love the fact that these kids look like kids. And, like, going into this was so jarring because, like, the female lead, who's who was watching the performance during that whole entire scene, she looks like, she sticks out like a sore thumb. She's wearing, like, a white headband and, like, a yellow cardigan and shit like that. Anyway, she's, like, 25 at the time this movie's being recorded, <laughs> filmed. I just want you to know, because I looked at her and I was like, she looks like my age. And then, like, I did the math and I was like, oh, fuck. She is 25 years old, like, at least when this is being filmed. Like, Ouch. Well, fun fact, because two years later, she'd still be playing in high school, because listeners of Teen Curl Talk, you might remember her as Jenna from Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> it makes me kind of wonder, like, am, I don't know if I'm just getting better at, like, reading age or what, but, like, I'm like, how, how do we, do we, like, we all know, right? Like, I'm, like, watching, like, we all are aware that these are adults, right? Like, very much adults. <laughs> With, with, like, with faces that have shifted significantly since they were teenagers. Like, we're all on the same page, right? Like, it's just odd. It's just a very odd choice. Like, she's so... I feel like some of the other actors or actresses, like, they probably aren't teenagers, but I could buy it enough. But she looked older. I, I, I... I don't like commenting on somebody's appearance, but honestly, I think it's because of the th very... Th she has very thin eyebrows. She does. She does. She she looked... I think the thing was is she was dressed in a way that came off so dated. Yeah. I, 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 I get, like, kind of, like, that vibe. I feel like this happens a lot with a character like her because we, we find out throughout the movie, like, she's very particular and she loves show choir and she's, like, very by the book and very, like, you know, very into choreography and everything has to be precise. And I feel like people dress the, those types of characters in a way that they look kind of like mini-adults, but in the process, it, like, ages the actor or actress a lot of the time. Like, I feel like wardrobe really misses the mark on, like, how a kid in formal, in more business casual wear looks like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure, they know, like, to wear, like, a collared shirt or a nice skirt and things like that, but... It's, like, usually still coming from the junior section, you know what I mean? Like, it still kind of looks like this is what a kid would think is what an adult would dress like. Yeah. And I feel like they miss that step, and then they end up just making the actors look even more noticeably older. And when I say that they look older, I don't mean they look haggard. I don't mean they look like shit. I mean that you there's a definitive difference in the face of a teenager and the face of a 25-year-old. Yeah. And that does not mean that they look shitty at any point. It just means that there is a difference. And that it, you can tell the difference, especially if you've been watching Degrassi week to week. <laughs> and then you watch teen media featuring, like, 20- and 30-year-olds. And you're like, oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so they have the fight about the amp. Um and, you know, he, the band is really pissed off because he's showboating, he's destroying their, their stuff, 
And he just kind of snapped back, yeah, but I have the best voice, and I have the hottest girl in town who is one of the members of the band. Because Okay, so here's my thought was that, like, oh, he's probably out with his girlfriend. And then, like, oh, wait, no, the um, girl in the band is his girlfriend. Yeah, it was, like, really confusing. There's a lot of plot points. Maybe some of it was just because I was not concentrating enough, but I felt like some notes, some beats in this movie were, like, in, I could not, I could not follow. Even the amp exploding, I could not really follow. I was like, when, how the fuck did that happen? Um, the thing is, is, something I thought was interesting was that the girl was not the basis for once. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Um, but anyway, so they're having this intervention. They're talking about how, um, you know, they think that he needs to be removed from the band. And the girlfriend reveals that actually she's the one that ran the meeting to make that happen. And as this band is literally, like, breaking up... This girl in, is in the background um, watching this whole entire thing unfold. The one with the yellow cardigan and the white headband. Um, so as the band kind of says fuck off to the lead singer, the lead singer sees Courtney. And Courtney, her, she introduces herself very quickly. Her name is Courtney Lane. She wants to talk. She needs a new. She needs a lead singer. Um, and that her group is called Spectacular. There's a lot of, like, back and forth about, like, it's a band. No, it's a group. It's a band. No, it's a group. And she finally goes, like, well, if you want to see what we do... Come to the state fair. Um, we're going to be doing a performance. Like, you know, check it out. I honestly wish that this had been just a tie-in to Pretty Little Liars. And this was just Jenna, pl- like, trying to pull him into a scheme or something. But no. Yeah, like, she's very ambiguous. She leans on the term group. And he's like, okay, fine, fuck it, whatever. Um, so- and there, there's a little who's on first thing where it's just like, like, our name is Spectacular. Okay, what's your name? It's Spectacular. Okay, what's your name? It's like... Spectacular. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the jokes and a lot of the dialogue in general falls very flat. And, like, I saw some people talking about it. There's not that many reviews about this movie, but, like, of the reviews that I saw, there was a lot being, like, well, they were restricted because they're on, like, Nickelodeon. And, like, I'm like, no, kids, kids show scripting can be much better than this and done in a way that's much more insightful. And, like, this is just lazy-ass writing. Like, I've seen GIFs of Nickelodeon shows that have wittier dialogue than this. Yeah. What was, um, Zach and Cody, the sweet life of Zach and Cody on Nickelodeon? I think that's Disney, question mark? Uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I uh, as a kid, I did not want to watch anything with live people in it. And it took a very long time before I started watching live action stuff. And also, like, this era of Nickelodeon and Disney, I was kind of over it. I was too busy watching anime, quite frankly. So, like, there was a lot of, like, programming that I did not really watch. Even though I know there were people around my age group who have. How old was I at this point? 2009? I was 23. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck I was doing then. Probably being sad. I mean, Yeah. Probably. No offense, Frank, but probably. <laughs> um, so, so um, he, Nico, we can start calling him Nico, because I feel like heterosexual Adam Lambert is too long of a name for somebody. Um, he goes to the fair, and he kind of, like, slunks around as he sees a group performing an acapella performance. They're all in, like, pink, like, pink tiger stripes. Like, the girls are dressed in a way that they look like they're wearing kind of like a cropped robe hooded robe type of look that like a boxer would wear the boys are wearing a hideous ass look and i don't understand why they're not wearing a similar outfit to the girls it makes no sense (laughs) anyway but then they perform eye of the tiger um and they're doing the whole entire like show choir thing um you know show choir glee 
acapella. There's differences between the types, but if you're familiar with any of those things, you kind of know what, what to visualize while you're seeing this. A lot of choreography, a lot of, like, really cheesy, uh, cheesy type of stuff going on. Um, and they're performing, and as they're performing, um, fuck, I don't even know what Hazel's actress's, like, character's name is. Uh, I have the Wikipedia page. I don't even know if they said it, though. Yeah, like, she barely is, she... (sighs) Anyway, like, look up her name, because I don't know. I kept calling her Hazel in my notes. (laughs) Also, apparently, um... Robin. Robin. I had no idea. Anyway, Robin fucking eats it. Like, she, like, does it, does it, like, oversteps the riser and just falls on her wrist. And, like, gets, like, an ice pack thrown at her, basically, by somebody. Um, and it's, like, really distressing. Um, as Nico is watching, um, there's somebody in front of him that is kind of like, oh, like, they've really fallen and all that type of stuff. Whom we eventually figure out is a past member of the group who has since been moved to another group, which I have a thousand questions about how this works. Um... And, you know, I'm looking at the group, and I'm like, okay, okay, we got people of color in the group. Okay, okay, we got, we got, we got some, something. Um, but that's kind of, like, all we really get. We get Courtney kind of slinking around with a little cat paw choreography, and it's, it is what it is. It's just, also the music suffers from, which I think a lot of music from this era suffers from, it's just, like, so gratuitously auto-tuned. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly difficult to actually parse together what is happening vocally. It's. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a mess. Like, everything's a mess. Because it's just. They're not. It, half the time it doesn't sound like they're singing live. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where I think the moments where they're in recording studios and shit, you can get away with it. But, like, when it is show choir, like, that's live music. Like, that's yeah. kind of the whole gimmick of all of that type of live performance is, like, it's live. You're trying to uh, harmonize live. You're trying to dance around live. Um, and then, like, you have this other group come out. Um, and they're a lot more put together. Apparently, they have, like, issues with each other. Um... And, you know, Nico's watching this performance happen, and everyone's just kind of like, wow, this is what real show choir is like, blah, blah, blah. I was not particularly impressed, but that was just me. <laughs> I'm really not impressed with that male lead of that other group that they traded. Royce? Yeah, Royce. I can't stand him. I, I, I can't stand any of these people. No. They're all brats. They're all obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, there's just like, zero nuance to anyone. And, and it's in a way that, like, you know, uh, I guess, like, the argument would be, like, oh, but it's a movie, like, you can't go that hard, it's not like Degrassi, where you have, like, episode after episode that you can build things. True. But, like, you get nothing but surface level of anybody, and a lot of the supporting cast literally has no purpose in being in the cast. I, I watched Booksmart. I'm gonna harp on this for a while, folks. Like, this is gonna probably be your summer. It's just me mm. talking about how much I love Booksmart. Booksmart is half hour longer than this, there's no singing, and I can give you, like, characteristics of every character in that movie. Lead and supporting. Because it doesn't take a lot if you have good actors, just, and good writing. 
Like, that's all this movie needed and it didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to crap on the concept of having some, like, person that comes from a different musical background from traditional, like, theater or show choir or anything coming in and then having that clash happen. Because I think that's something worth talking about, right? Like, we validate, you know, we validate musicians and we, we come from certain comfort levels in it. But when you are somebody who comes from kind of outside of it, there is, you know, comes from outside of it, goes into a different space that's musical. There is a humbling experience to be had there, right? But, like, it's just so uninteresting. <laughs> I'm literally thinking about the first Step Up movie. Yeah. Where they do this, where the girl who's used to dancing in the streets now has to dance ballet. Yeah, like, this premise has happened before in teen and kid media. Like, this isn't anything new. And that makes it all the more, like, kind of like, you kind of stamp your foot feet and go, like, well, why aren't you making this more interesting? Like, literally, there are so many examples you can go off of with this. So, like, how are you going to make this unique? And that's what kind of bothers me about this whole entire movie is, like, literally, it feels like it is not at all unique. It is not saying anything new. It's not interesting. It presses... It, the only buttons it presses are ones that offend, and it pushes no envelopes. Exactly. Like, I could put an envelope in front of, like, Dahlia and... Basil. Basil, sorry. I'm very tired. I worked a 10-hour day today. Mm -hmm. And they would push it more than this movie pushes anything. Oh, they would pounce on it. So, absolutely, I agree. Um, so... They do the performances, we have that whole entire thing happen, um, and then we go to Courtney's house. Courtney is, um, Courtney is having a sleepover with her friend that's also in show choir. We eventually find out that her name is Janet. Um, it takes us for fucking ever, I feel like. Damn it, Janet. Like, <sighs> Yeah, that's like the most musicality. At least that's something we get out of to reference it. Um, she, so, um, you know, they're kind of like supposed to be doing doing stuff. Um, and Janice just trying to have fun. And Courtney is like, like, you know, in super show choir mode, like looking up other things, trying to figure out new programs, trying to figure out stuff like that. Her mom comes in and is like, hey, just so you know, like the costumes are being uh, taken um, so Courtney runs out. I just kind of let it happen. Yeah, she's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but she runs outside and she sees Royce and Tammy, who is the rival leader of the other group. Tammy with an I. But they're so pissed off about that. And I'm like, isn't Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights a Tammy with an I? Like, that's not uncommon. Like, they were taking, that's the thing. It's like, there's these weird aspects it's not like Book of Henry bad, where it's like, this is a movie that was not written by someone who's ever, like, I think this was written by an alien, like, who, who <laughs> thinks what a human, what a human being does and says. It doesn't quite hit that type of level, but there is a part of it that's like, it's not even like, have you ever seen a teenager? It's like, have you ever really talked to a person? <laughs> like, the, I believe the writers are humans in this. I just don't believe they come in contact with many humans. The, the this is another movie that was just like, oh, sh oh shit, the script is due tomorrow. Oh, fuck, we're gonna have to pull an all-nighter. What do you mean pull an all-nighter? We're gonna have to pull a half hour. Right. Okay, well, what's funny? What's a funny thing? Let's make fun of people's names. Let's make fun of people's names who end their... Make fun of people who... Tammy's who end their names in eyes. Oh, genius. I love it. I love it. What else we got? Uh... Yeah, it, it's not pretty. Um, but Royce You know what show I love? The Simpsons. <laughs> Who's a really funny character on that show? Apu. Isn't he really offensive? Yeah, fuck it, but who, who cares? That's 2009, who gives a shit? <laughs> Nobody cares. But, um, 
they so they do the whole entire thing. They like run outside. They see Royce taking the costumes. Royce reveals that you know, yeah, okay, like his like look, his family foot the bill for these costumes, so he can just take them. <laughs> Very confusing to me. Like he's just like, well, we paid for them, and and Courtney's trying to be like, yeah, but. We did, we did, like, fundraisers and stuff. And he's like, yeah, but my family donated pretty much everything about it. Um, so, Courtney eventually, like, you know, has to let them just leave with the costumes. Which is really weird, because I feel like when you donate something to a high school organization, there's no take back on that one. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I just think that all the things I did in high school, and I'm just like, oh yeah, well we finished Wizard of Oz, I painted the set, I'm taking it home. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, I gave that prop in the prop room, you know, like the, uh, the kaleidoscope. Yeah, that's mine back now, thank you. Look, Toto is finder's keepers. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's, like, that's literally my dog. Whatever, you left him backstage, you mine It's your fucking fault. But, like, that was the thing, it's like a very odd premise there's a lot of weird shit that happens um and then, this movie does not seem to understand how anything in the world works no it really doesn't and like the mom is trying to be supportive of courtney the mom is trying her fucking best she's the actual mvp of this movie she's just fucking trying she's working against the script to be something of substance and janet janet she just talks about like fucking cryptids and shit and like it was a thread that stayed for like two scenes and then they dropped it and I was really sad because I felt like Janet was the only character that had some semblance of a characterization and I feel like she she kind of suffered what I think happens with a lot of of like she's she's like I think she it happens with a lot of like Asian characters where they just kind of become like mousy and quiet and their whole entire arc is like wow you have something that you have hidden because of mumble something like oh there's something about your culture i guess like i feel like she kind of had that type of arc that they always do and it's like really we're doing this again like i saw her and i was just like oh no why does it always come back to this but um Anyway, she has something, because she, like, talks about, like, like cryptids and believing the Loch Ness Monster and believing in Bigfoot, and I was like, at least that's something I can go off of with you. Just imagine how much better this movie would have been if they're just like, you know what, fuck show choir, let's go find the Chupacabra. I, I think that if the movie focused on Janet, like, I, f- I thought that Janet and Nico, though obviously, like, you know, chemistry is so fucking weak for everybody involved... At least with her, I feel like they actually had, like, something. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like they had a really cute connection. And I think it could have been a movie about that. Like, it could have been a movie about him learning how to be, like, you know, learning how to explore being, I don't know, the finer things in life, like cryptids and shit. But obviously that's not what we got. We just got this weird fucking movie and it just frustrates the hell out of me anyway um have we met fake tracker yet fake tracker fuck <laughs> or <laughs> yes yes that's well that's what happens next so so you know we have that whole entire thing happen then we go to nico's nico's apartment okay i thought nico's brother was his dad and i was screaming <laughs> at the casting because i was like are they only like three years older than like <laughs> like is that just a three-year age difference like what the fuck eventually like 
it's really weird because like, I guess the whole entire thing that they're trying to do is like Sean and Tracker where you have a brother who's kind of overwhelmed and trying to run the house and doesn't really want to fucking run the house and doesn't really want to look after a teenager and you know doesn't want the teenager to just be ungrateful and do nothing. But they go about it in a way that's so half-assed, it makes no sense. It's like... Because here's the thing, is Stavros, which is his name, is wearing... They have such Greek names. It's like... (laughs) Nico. Oh, God. Every time we say Nico's name, I keep thinking about fucking, um... Uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. Hey, it's your cousin Nico. Let's go bowling. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, um, no, that's just like, really? You went with these two names? It's like, yes, I get it. They are from the Mediterranean area. <laughs> well, listen, Uncle Kratos is going to come back pretty soon, and you don't want, you don't want to disappoint him. Oof. But, um... <laughs> Our cousin... Whatever his name is from God of War 4 is... Whatever, whatever his name is from God of War 4. Wow! <laughs> been a while anyway um but just like i say fake tracker because remember how tracker struggled to hold down a job stavros seems very like like successful and professional they have a weird ass looking apartment also yeah it's clean yeah that's he's like take out the trash that is very clearly you know empty well, like, it's also weird because it's, like, he just keeps yelling at Nico, telling him to face reality, basically. Like, that's his whole entire thing. Like, you gotta face reality, you gotta stop trying to be a rock star and shit. And it's, like, this kid's in high school. Like, you have that conversation with someone when they're truly fucking up their life. But the thing about Nico is, like, he's cocky and he's a dick. But I don't think his aspirations of being a musician necessarily are the piece that has to be, like, talked about in that context. Yeah. I think it's just, like, Nico, you gotta be nicer to people. Because if you want to get anywhere in life, you being an asshole is not the way to do it. Except in this case where being an asshole gets Nico everything he wants because Nico is an asshole to everybody in this movie. Yeah, so like he goes to like a recording studio because apparently they live somewhere where there's like a recording studio readily available. Um, I'm assuming this takes place in California. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) We don't know. We don't care. (laughs) Yeah, so like Nico goes up to... Um, he goes to a, um, he goes up to the desk and is like, oh yeah, I'm here for like this blank time appointment. (laughs) And when the secretary asks if he's a band, like brain stew or something like that, he's like, yes, me. And like goes all the way, like nobody questions it. He just goes to the fucking producer who may, I guess, never research this. It's just like weird. Or usually bands have, you know, more than one person. Right. And like... You know, he goes to do the audition. Meanwhile, Courtney is at rehearsal um, and is like, you know, we have a, we have to have a, we have a new song. We got to try and work with the fact that we don't have costumes anymore. Oh, sorry. Um, before this, also, the record producer is just like, we, you need five grand to put together a demo. Oh, that happens next. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Whatever. Sorry. It doesn't matter, but soon we will find that out. Anyway, Courtney is in rehearsal and she's like, okay, we gotta do a new song. We gotta try to, you know, figure out the costumes and stuff. And, like, there's an advisor who just kind of sits in the back and he's, like, barely taking in the fact that, like, there was a heist of all the fucking costumes. <laughs> um, the PTA will hear of this. Right? Um, also, so we meet some, some new characters that are also in Spectacular. We meet this character Caspian who performs a little bit and he's so clearly queer coded but instead of calling him gay or anything like that and having him be like a character who is not straight 
they just kind of harp on the fact that he's theatrical and he's very effeminate and like his performances are just very like not what they're not a right fit not entertaining it's just such a fucking like tiresome thing to see and it was tiresome back then too um but like seeing it in 2019 is frustrating and then there this is movie, this movie's 10 years old <laughs> yeah yeah it is um, and then we also meet a character named Tajid, I think. I think it's Tajid. Tajid. Why don't we just call him Avan, which is his real name? Yeah, maybe. Well, Tajid, I, I don't know. I did not check the uh, the name to make sure that it was like an appropriate name for the character to have, but his his the way that he talked as frank point like frank pointed out to me before airing like he speaks in a way that's like very like it's very like a poo indian it's not what his voice usually is he's he was on the show victorious yeah um and i want because i just like oh god don't tell me i would quickly like went over to victorious he played a character named beck i believe your guess is as good as mine. And he does not have this accent. Like, not in the slightest. He has, like, a slight, I, I want to say British accent. Yeah, and, like, obviously, like, you know, actors do accents sometimes. Like, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. But you can tell that he, they're really trying to push the fact that he's, like, othered. Like, you have Caspian who's othered because of his not explicit queerness and then you have tajid's othering being that he is the foreign other he is indian he is not like everyone else um doesn't talk like everyone else and there's this weird there's also weird dialogue choices with him that come come in in a little bit and it's just like a very you kind of look at him and you're like i this was a choice i don't think it was the right choice Oh, he's been in a lot of cool stuff. Really? Yeah, he actually has his... He co-founded an LGBT online organization called Straight But Not Narrow. Oh, he was the founder of that. Okay. Um, he was in Caprica. Um, let's see. A Girl Like Me, the Gwen Arajo story. Oh, God, that was a rough one. I do remember that one. Okay, rough in which way? <laughs> uh, It's a very, very... It's like a Lifetime movie based off of, like, a true story type deal. It's a very sad story of a trans girl who gets brutalized. Oh, sorry. I didn't... I meant, like... Was it just, like, bad representation or... I mean, it's a Lifetime. I don't remember them being particularly good at that. I watched it when it came out, so... I can't necessarily speak to some of the details of it, but I mean, it just kind of goes back to the issue that, like, a lot of narratives that exist of trans feminine folk usually end in violence and mm -hmm. their death. Um, and it's just not... It's a story that's a true story. It's a story that should be told because of that. But... It's a really deeply upsetting one that I would not necessarily recommend folks watching the lifetime movie of it also does a thing i do remember this piece like because of lifetime the way that they do point of views the point of view of it is very focused on the mother so it's very focused on like the mother and her struggle with coming to terms with her daughter's like gender and things like that which like your mileage may vary ultimately like you know i just feel like every narrative with transness 
like it's there it's just so common to have it be placed on somebody else like it's like please bring it back to trans people like let them be able to speak mm-hmm. to their experiences so it's a uh, i don't know i i don't think it's something that i necessarily would want to revisit in okay. 2019 all right i uh, sorry for that derailing that's okay <sighs> um but so he's pretty cool if this character is just not great to watch yeah and like you know of course he's the one that has like a laptop and he's on his computer and like you know it's a typical like ah yes he is indian so obviously he is a tech fellow um he like goes onto tada's page and it's bizarre because it's like <laughs> it's like a weird like it's just like a weird multimedia experience um, they have, like, a like a video on there. It's Tammy with an eye talking about, like, oh, yeah, we got this new member, Royce, blah, 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 blah. Which is super confusing to me because they establish that this is a club. Like, this is, like, an after school. This is, like, a class, basically. It, like, fulfills a, it fulfills, like, a requirement in school. So, like, how did Royce get traded to another group? Does he not go to the school? Like, when they said traded, like, did he move so that he could, or is he hiding his address so that he can go to school in a different school and be a member of Tada? Like, it really doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what the fuck? Like, if if he was... Because that almost... I would have almost been interested in the story if it was, like, a, a public school show choir group versus, like, a private show choir group. And then you have to deal with the fact that Royce still goes to the school, but clearly his loyalty is with the private versus the public show choir. Yeah. Like, that would have been a layer that I could have bought and could have been something that I could get into. There, there's a lot of ways this movie could have been made more interesting. Yeah. And, like, I feel like, like, the rivalry piece of it, like, the fact that, like, they were, like, swiping, ta-da, swiped, like, the best talent, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But... Anyway, um, Nico, like, goes to the, uh, goes to the recording session type deal, um, and the producer calls him, like, Iggy Pop, and I was like... He's like, you remind me so much of Iggy Pop, and, like, like, when the Clash ruled the roost, I'm like, oh my god, that's some bullshit. I'm like, yeah, no, okay, let's move on. Um, and then he's like, you know, like, you really have a shot, you just need a really good demo, um, because he, like, eventually they figure out, eventually the producer figures out, like, he's not actually the band that was supposed to be recording with him, and he's like, you know, you got a lot of spunk, like, you got a lot of drive, you sound good, um, if you want to record a demo, you need, like, $5,000. No, you don't, not back then. <laughs> yeah, and Nico's like, Nico's like, is like, 500? It's like, no, thousand, and he's like, oh, fuck. I was like, what if I brought my own band? It's like, it'd be less, but still, because, like, that includes session musicians, Session musicians on a demo. Right. For a guy who does not sing particularly, like, which is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't sing bad. He's, it's just, like, it's boring. Well, that's why I called him straight Adam Lambert. Because it's, like, one of those things where he tries to do, like, those, like, he tries to belt and he tries to do, like, like you know, runs through notes and stuff like that. But, like, it doesn't have, like, a, a heart to it that I feel like other singers of that range have. Like, there are good singers that sound like that. But I feel like at that point it's not even, like, a talent thing. It's not even, like, a range thing. It's a heart type of situation. Yeah. I mean, like... 
I always reminded of how people say, like, you can tell Jenny Lewis is an actress in the way that she sings, because she's, like, sings so dramatically. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I mean. There's none of that in this. Going back to my boy Adam Lambert, a theater kid, like, I think there is a difference in the way, like, there is a way to sing in a way that you, you feel it. And he just doesn't really have it at all. And yet we're supposed to believe he's the type of character who his singing you do feel. So it ends up like this weird kind of hellhole situation where you're listening to him and you're like, I don't get it. And it's <laughs> like, but everyone here is acting like they get it. Um, but anyway, so um, Courtney is talking about her plans in rehearsal. She has like a whole full flow chart. And as she's trying to talk about, like, what she's doing, Nico appears. Um, and then he tries to basically sabotage her attempt at rehearsing and doing choreography by playing his own song. I don't know how it's on the iPod. I don't know anything. I don't understand any of the logistics of this. And this is where they try to do the musical numbers organically. So the first performance we have makes sense. It's during a set. Second time we hear a performance makes sense. He's cutting. He's, like, doing, like, a preview thing with the producer. This time around, this is where this formula really falls apart because we're supposed to believe that, like, you know, he, he was able to have, like, a song just play on, like, the iPod. I'm sure there's some logistic visual cues I missed, but I don't give a shit to figure it out. Um, and then he starts dancing around and singing, and it's, like, very weird because it's, like, one, he's kind of gyrating against Courtney while she's trying to go about rehearsal, which is really uncomfortable. At one point, he, like, straddles her and shit like that, and it's, like really uncomfortable to watch and she is not into it for a lot of it like so you're watching this guy kind of just chase this girl around a rehearsal space and in the process the group is like into it the advisor is into it they're doing vague choreography as well it makes me think of like like I feel like a lot of people make fun of, like, West Side Story for this, because I feel like it kind of reminds me of West Side Story in the sense that, like, you have characters kind of doing stuff, and then all of a sudden they do a pirouette <laughs> and things like that. And, like, I get people rag on it, but at least with West Side Story, there's a commitment to it. You know what I mean? It's like, they know what they're about, and they, they're just fucking doing it the whole entire time. They don't break character. And in this, it's like the only time that it's really happening is when these performances are happening, but, like, it's just we're supposed to believe this is all organic and it's just very jarring it like just doesn't commit to how musical like the rules of musicals and because of it it suffers tremendously yeah so she courtney is having this man chase her around and suddenly she might be okay with it but also the sequence is so long and i'm like losing my patience watching it um dahlia just clawed me thank you honey i love you too i understand that's how you feel about the movie um but courtney is like okay fine you're in the group but it's on a trial basis um and then like also says that basically he will get like half which is also earlier in the thing she says like you can get half the prize money when we go to like our fucking competition how the fuck do you promise that in a school organization? <laughs> you can't fucking do that. Like, Nico just rolls up and he's like, all right, where's my cash? And the principal's is like, are you shitting me? Right? Like, that is impossible. Like, impossible. I, I say that with absolute certainty. If this was an actual school shank sanctioned organization, that would not fucking happen. Where, where would the money go? Towards the school, right? I mean, the money probably, if a club won it, 
Um, well, it's hard because if it's a class, like, it's very ambiguous if it's a class or if it's a club or whatever the fuck. Well, Usually you... it goes back into the music department or the club. Yeah. So, like, it would just be... <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, Donnie has to wrestle with Dahlia wanting attention. Which is ridiculous because, like, I don't have any lap. So, like, I don't know why... Like, I'm straddling a fucking table. I don't know why she's like, I must fit, mother. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to try and do this with Dahlia in my lap. Anyway, so Courtney says you're on a trial basis. They talk about the prize money stuff. And Did they mention how much the prize money is? I think it's like 10000 because she says like half of it. Of course, it's exactly the right amount of money they need, which, well, how would she know how much money he needs? I don't know, it's very convenient. Also, $10,000 is like a lot. Like, $5,000 is a lot of money to give a student-run organization. It reminds me of when Susie and I watched that stupid movie last summer on Netflix, mm-hmm. and this girl's like, I'm going to win this film competition and use that to pay for college. And it's like, you're winning maybe two grand. Right. That'll pay for books for two semesters. All right. If you're lucky. (laughs) If you're lucky. But, um, anyway, so Nico tries to go into rehearsal. She's like, she basically is like, I'm going to just, like, ride you and, like, make you feel like shit. Um, and Because I'm a a woman in charge, and that means I have to be controlling and no fun. Right? Courtney is the no fun zone. Um... But anyway, so we have her just, like, trying to, like, get him to just do choreography, no no modeling, just fucking figure it out. Um, and sh- he's really struggling because there's a lot of stiffness in the choreography and dancing, and a lot of Courtney's selections are very, like, technical, which we kind of see in the Eye of the Tiger performance. Um, and after rehearsal, um, Courtney approaches him in kind of, like, a courtyard-type area, and they have a fight about how he's, like, super, how she's super controlling and regimented, um, and he doesn't really agree with it, and he thinks that they, everyone should kind of cut loose and have fun. Um, they, and then, like, Tajid appears and is like, oh, my parents own a franchise, so we got costumes we can wear. Yay! He own they own a thing called Rossellier's Depot, which I swear to Christ, I'm sure they stole from Fresh Off the Boat. Mm, was Fresh Off the Boat on at that point? Well, I find out. I'm hoping it is, so my, my point can be proven correct. I have no idea, either way. Oh, Dahlia. Oh, Dahlia. She's just trying to walk nope, between like her two laps. Fresh Off the Boat came out six years later. I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like that's fairly young of a TV show. Anyway... So, I'm trying to talk, and Dahlia's just putting her tail on my face. Anyway, so, um, we go to the actual performance that they're going to do. Um, they're getting off the school bus to a venue, and they, like, the outfits are just, like, acid woody looks, basically. Like, cow print, purple, lime green. They're a nightmare to look at. Um... And for some reason, his old band is here. Yeah, so, like, the show is at the old venue that, like, he he was performing at the beginning of it. His band is there. In the middle of the day. In the middle of the day. (laughs) Uh, The band makes fun of him, and the boys, Caspian and Tajid, like, try to back him up and, like, try to be like, no, like, this is cool, this is show choir. Bless their hearts. Um, And then we go... And he try and um, we go to the performances. Tada performs well, I guess. I really don't like Royce's voice. 
I didn't like any of them. I don't like any of them. Victoria Justice in this movie. I've seen her in other things. She's pretty good. Has good comedic timing. She's awful. <laughs> yeah, she's she's yeah, she's not good. Um, it's also weird because I feel like show choir and stuff like that is so known for using pre-existing music. Like that's that was like kind of the whole shtick with Glee and shit. And was pitch like, perfect. And pitch perfect. Like they're covering songs. So like that's. So, like, this whole entire, like, premise really falls flat, because when you watch show choir, I feel like the reason why, if you're not really into show choir and stuff, the reason why you're engaged with it is that at least you know the song. And especially because you had it open up with Eye of the Tiger, you would think that it would continue with cover songs. Instead, we get these very flat, weird songs that I don't really know what to make sense of. So, Tada performs. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on this part. Well, it's just like the whole. the Like, I brought up the Prince Perfect thing and made me think about how, you know, Pitch Perfect is about the characters. Yeah. And when they actually have to deal with the fact that these people are. These are grown women in a choir in college and leaving college and whatnot, they make fun of the idea of it. Like. The music can still stand on its own. It's, like, you know, everybody in that is a very good singer. But, like, the idea of, like, a choir meaning this much kind of falls flat. It's true. I, I, I think what you bring up is the fact that, like, when you do have a story that's based around or the framework is around a, a, like, a school club or sport or something like that, the way that it actually becomes worthwhile is your characterization. Like, that's why I like Friday Night Lights so much. Like, I don't really give a shit about football, but I love the characters so deeply. It's like every sports anime out there. Exactly. You can't go... Like, this movie wants it in the middle. Like, they want to have the characters making fun of being in show choir, but show choir is so serious. Like, sports animes, like... Go so deep into the this is serious business part that you're like, I can't make fun of this. Look how serious they are. Yeah, like one of my favorite anime is Yomushi Petal, which is the cycling anime, and I really love it. And there's a very pure love for cycling, and I think that's really cute and really good, and I learned a lot about bicycles and things like that through it. But what made Yomushi Petal so compelling to me was the narrative of the third years, which is that they came from a really rough performance um, the year before, and this is their last year, and this is their last chance to do something, like, you know, to win the competition. And that's what the story becomes. It becomes, like, this is your last chance. Like, now you have to work together and try and find a solution and be a mentor and support other people and support and nurture your friendships. I mean, I loved Habanado because it was so... It was so dark in that, like, you know, the main character who was this, like, sweet and, like, nice young girl suddenly becomes, like, what is essentially a monster of pure badminton. (laughs) Um, And she's just like, um, she's like, I will, I will, uh, I'm sorry, I'm taking pictures of Donnie with Dolly. It's very cute. (laughs) Okay. Um, I will become, I, like, my mother abandoned me because I was bad at badminton. I will become good at badminton. And when she comes back, I will abandon her. Fuck! I'm just like, yes. Wow! (laughs) Um, wow. Um. 
But you can very clearly tell it was made by a man because it's the way the shots are just pure eye candy at some points. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. But, um, yeah, like, there's just no heart in this in the process. It's like we're supposed to believe that everyone feels the same way about music as opposed to what it's like in, in school organizations where everyone's varying motivations and ultimately there's a human piece of it that actually makes it a compelling story. Anyway, here, um, everyone is marveling over Royce, um, and Nico asks if Royce and Courtney ever dated, and that does not land very well. But and then I'm, we just we're just done with that scene, I believe, at that point. Yeah, like Tammy kind of <laughs> looks at Courtney, um, and, but as they go, like they see another group in the Eye of the Tiger outfits, which I guess is implied that Royce <laughs> sold the outfits. <laughs> And made more of a profit. God damn, how good would this movie been if Royce was just pulling show choir schemes? Yeah, it would have been he, much better. If he was a page just pulling show choir schemes and just being like, I'm selling and buying outfits by the truckload. I'm going to walk away with a cool mill as a senior. Right? Like <laughs> From show choir uniforms. At least that's something. Um, anyway, so they see the getup, and Nico is, Nico kind of sees all of this unfolding. He sees how upset Courtney is seeing the costumes on other people, and Nico is like, we gotta win. Um, we gotta fucking do this. We don't see the performance. Um, we end up back at school, um, and Nico walks into the room, and everyone's just kind of dicking around. Very typical for, for a, a high school organization without a leader, um, because Courtney's not there. And Nico was just like, hey, like, let's try and let loose. Let's sing for fun. And let's, you know, let's try to, you know, hang out and have a fun performance and try and get some work done. And everyone's like, sing for fun. We're theater kids. We don't do that. Yeah, but also, like, he picks a random song and everyone knows what it is. <laughs> like, for a movie that's aggressively, like, we're going to go against the formula, like, it still leans into it like this is, i think this is also one of the few points where andrea actually gets to sing yeah and i like her voice like I, like I was not gonna lie at this point i was kind of flipping through the music <laughs> like through like speeding through the songs understandable but like her and I, I, was like, I was like andrea's singing oh that's really nice and it's over <laughs> the thing about her voice that i really like is like i feel like a lot of the singers a lot of the principal singers in this have higher registers and she has a lower register to compare to them and it's very pleasant sounding yeah it's it's there's a nice contrast to it and even though it's also auto-tuned you kind of i i i could tell she could sing i'm calling it next time we're just doing the music yeah it's we're, true we're just gonna listen to andrea lewis and cassie cassie Steele and jake epstein music and we're not going to watch anything. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you could tell that she knows how to sing. And and it's so frustrating because you have these other mu- other people singing and, you know, yeah. they're eh. And you hear her and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. And then also the fact that she got screwed out of singing in, in Degrassi, you're just, like, mega mad about it. Because I could see why she signed on to this project. I think it made a lot of sense. And it probably made a lot of sense to her agent. It probably made a lot of sense to her for, for signing up for it. And it's so upsetting that she gets, like, no vocal features outside of, like, one flare here and there. She gets no vocal features. And guess what? She is still just a background character. Exactly. Like, like I... This movie was worthless to me. Because I was like, I, I, watched, I wanted to watch this movie for Andrea. And what did I get? I got a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, exactly. So, um... You know, she has a one moment, I'm really lost in everything, and ah, yes, of course, we have Tajid beatboxing, because, uh, that's how it is in show choir, baby. Movies, meet me at the, meet me at the mic here. We're just gonna sit right here with me for a bit, okay? Stop making people beatbox in movies like this. 
no, 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 no. Stop making people beatbox like this in movies. It didn't work here. It didn't work in Gem and the Holograms. It kind of worked in Pitch Perfect. Stop doing it. No. Do not do it. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was going to yell, but you're not worth yelling at. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> at least this time it wasn't the robot. True enough. Like in Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> no, he does the robot at one point, though. No, no, no. The floating robot. Oh, see, I never box. watched the movie version of Gem and the Holograms. You're like the only person in the world that did, so... You have to carry that burden alone, my friend. I have to carry the burden alone. I paid good money for this movie. Yeah, you did. This was like... That was one of my first impressions of you. was like, <laughs> oh, our friend Frank, he watched Gem and the Holograms in a movie theater. I paid good money for Gem and the Holograms, and it was actually more enjoyable than this, because it was nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, I wish this was wackier. Oh, and at some point, somebody also uses the term... No, we haven't gotten there yet. When we get there, we're going to... But, like... I... I... We couldn't find this movie for free anywhere, and my god, I wish I was better at pirating. Right. But, like, because, and Amazon was like, no, you can't rent this, you have to buy it. So this is a stain on my Amazon Prime forever. Yeah. And it was also more. That's the burden you gotta deal with. But, um. No, the, the way, the way I, like, said it in my own head is, like, Donnie pays all our guests, like, I can carry this small burden. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Janet, like, has, like, a little part, and then she's like, oh, man, Courtney's gonna be so pissed off. The advisor walks in, shuts off the music, and is like, hey, you guys sounded great. Um, I look kind of like the sun from Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, right? And he's just like, hey, like, you should perform the song. It's worth a shot. You know, Courtney has tried to do everything by the book, but that's not necessarily gonna win you anything. So maybe this is your chance. Courtney walks in. And is like, you know, everyone's trying to be super hush-hush about it. She, like, taunts Nico while everyone is, like, trying to be like, oh, it's whatever, we didn't do anything. Ah. Um, and then we go to Nico's apartment. Um, the brother is just kind of going, I don't know, going off again and everything. Tajid and Caspian enter. Um, and they're like, hey, like, we're here to do... And then, like, Nico kind of is like, oh, yeah, study group. Oh, yeah, on the roof, on the roof. Um, Everybody go study on that roof. Yeah, and of course, like, everyone in the group enters except for Courtney. Um, and they all go to the roof. The brother is like, oh, wow, you sound almost responsible. I am so proud. Um, so they all go to the <laughs> I am so proud, brother. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Insert Ram. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Janet feels really weird because we're going. they're going against Courtney's back. And then Nico's like, there's no rules on the roof except no jazz hands. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, and then Nico kind of guides them through dances, which is really confusing to me because I feel like the issue was, okay, yes, he was jumping into the di into dancing and didn't entirely know what he was doing. But also, like, it, it read to me that, like, he didn't necessarily know how dance works and then suddenly he's, like, able to coordinate and create choreography. Those are two different skill sets. Because remember, he's a straight man and he's good at everything. Fuck you, Nico. <laughs> right? What the fuck? Anyway, um, so then we have, like, you know, a montage of sorts going between the roof and rehearsal. There's contrasting choreography. Nico tries to see what he can get away with. Courtney corrects him. Um, Courtney, in rehearsal, tells Caspian to stop belting. Um, and Caspian is just really upset about it. And when Nico tries to console him, 
Um, you know, Caspi's just like, you know, I'm always told I'm too theatrical. Like, I'm always told this, and I'm always not able to do very much. I don't wear enough black for the drama kids, and the only thing I can play is the triangle, so it bans out of the question. Oof. And Nico just is like, you know, um, Nico's like, you know, we have a lot in common, we're both guys in the spotlight, la la la, and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Uh, th- and Caspian goes, thank you, my straight white savior. All right. Um, we go back to Nico's apartment. The brother finds his costume. Um, the brother is just like, oh, like, what? You're being irresponsible, enjoying another band, obviously, because that's what you wear in one. Um, and Nico's like, no, no, no. I, I got a new job. I'm going to pay you back. Okay. I'm, I, this is my waiter, my waiter outfit at L- Rustler's... Depot. Yeah, it's like a really unattractive name. <laughs> um, anyway, as this is happening, Caspian and Tajid walk in on the scene, um, and, you know, we end up back at the roof. They're doing a, they want, Nico wants to kind of show the performance to Courtney, um, and in the process they realize it's conflicting with a bowling event that is going to be happening that was never really established ever. Uh, oh yes, remember all the bowling we do. Ah uh, yes, our end of season bowling. Hooray! Um, Nico and Courtney are in another scene. They're walking around kind of just outside the bowling alley. And Courtney reveals that bowling is a way for her to calm down before a performance. It makes her think of when her dad took her out to it. We get almost a semblance of characterization through that. Did she say, I, I, I might have been cleaning my room at this point. Did she say her dad died? I don't remember either way. Okay. I assume he's dead if she's bringing that up. I mean, it's and a, also, we don't see the dad. <laughs> Considering on, like, one of our fans on Teen Girl Talk did a chart of good dads, bad dads, dead dads, de- like, they actually came pretty even. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's really sad. <laughs> anyway, they go to the bowling alley. Oh. We're good, we're good. Okay, they go to the bowling alley. Um... And when they're there, they kind of just see, like, Janet. Janet's like, oh, yeah, a lot of people bailed. And, of course, Courtney's upset. As they're talking about this, Tammy and Royce are also playing fucking bowling, doing fucking bowling. Isn't... Oh, Caspian's there, and he says, talk to the jazz hand. (sighs) Fuck you, movie. Right. (laughs) Um, And they go to play, like, a rock band knockoff. (laughs) Rock the world. Right. And the, 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 uh, fucking thing chooses Royce and Courtney's song, but now Nico and Courtney will sing it. And, like, this part killed me, because there's so many weird, there's so many weird things happening in here. Number one, there's, like, no effort of, like, any backing instruments that are happening for, like, any of the performance, which, like, defeats the purpose of doing rock band. Number one. Well, no. Caspian and Janet are supposed to be playing the drums. Supposedly. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> there's also a like a live feed of the performance that is playing on the screens in the bowling alley that Royce can see so that he can be upset as if he couldn't just walk through the arcade and see that it was happening and stand there for a second. <laughs> well, they... I want... God, how good... I really want a scene where he just walks into the arcade he's like... Hey, is that, and then he like turns like, oh my god, is that an original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Time standy? Then just runs over and starts playing it. All right. Because <laughs> that game was fucking incredible. And then what really killed me about this was that they were flashing back to their relationship. <laughs> 
it, which has only been three scenes. So you saw like multiple shots from like the same two performances, basically. In, in the words of Crow T. Robot, you can flash back to something that was ten minutes ago. Right? It's just like, it, it's just like so fucking silly. Because I guess we're supposed to believe they're in love, and we have to watch him like chasing her down and straddling her as if like we are now. Oh wow, they're in love. Remember, kids, love means sexual harassment. Yeah, absolutely. And according to the movie Love Story, never saying you're sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is, I can't think of a more toxic thing, toxic message to send to people. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's great. This is great. Um, I, I they, But the fact that we're, like, only drawing from three scenes, I legitimately <laughs> was cracking up. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> they should have done the clerk's thing and pulled from scenes that didn't exist. Yeah, well, like, the problem that... <laughs> This 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 movie also runs into is you in the process of Nico trying to teach the other to the rest of the group you end up isolating your two leads they have no contact with each other basically because of it and they have no like Nico is hiding this thing from her so like he's not necessarily going to foster a deeper relationship because of that because he's trying to like set this up to surprise her so like you have no development between the two of them yeah. Even, and then suddenly we're supposed to believe in those three scenes they're in love. Um, anyway, Nico brings her to the roof, and, you know, as they do it, they all kind of show the performance that they've been working on. We hear Hazel for a hot, Hazel, Robin, for a hot second, um, and once again, she always sounds so much better than everyone else, it makes me so mad, um, and as they're do they do this whole performance, everyone gets a feature, it's very, like, equally distributed among-ish um, everyone's dancing, they're doing dancing that's a little more, that's less structured or just a different type of structure from Courtney's vision. They're using the roof, which is also really confusing because it's like if you're supposed to perform it, you're doing all your blocking based around a roof, not a stage. Um, and Courtney turns off the music and says that she feels like she is being stabbed in the back and then brings up, oh yeah, well, did anyone tell, Nico, did you tell everyone about the fact that I was going to pay you? And this is Nico's first betrayal revealed. Right. And, like, everyone is mad at Courtney, but then they're also mad at him. And that kind of pissed me off. Because <laughs> Gwyn brought up two points. Number one, my, well, my point with it, which Gwyn agreed, um, was she's the one that fucked up. Because she was the one that was funneling funds elsewhere. <laughs> That's fucked up shit. Somebody accepting it, to me, is small potatoes to the person who said, I'm going to distribute a ton of money into the, into this. Number two, he, you know, we, this is a bit naive, probably for us as a viewer, but, like, you can't argue that Nico could potentially accept that money and assume that it was totally okay for the club to do it. Like, she was, as the leader of the club, offering it. It, it's kind of ignorant, but also at the same time, like, if this is the leader of the club offering you $5,000, potentially, and you you would accept it, assuming she has the power to do that. <laughs> so putting all of, like, you know, putting any hatred toward him just kind of seems very silly. And also, I feel like this suffers from a similar thing that, like, High School Musical 2 suffers from, where, I don't know if you've ever watched it, Frank. Nope. The, a huge plot point is that Troy is trying to try out for like college level basketball and then everyone is really mad at him because he doesn't bring the team to the tryout 
And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, that's not how college sports work. That's not how tryouts work. Like, yeah, sure. You can be like, hey, in high school, we were a great team. But like, I'm the one that actually can make money off of this through scholarships. And you can't. And like, that's kind of how I felt about it. Where once again, it like fails to recognize like individual goals, like versus collectivism. Like, the collectivism is trying to win it together. A person trying to work in their own self-interest does not mean you get to come along for the ride. Like, they're just trying to make money off of their talent. That doesn't mean you have the same amount of talent and you deserve the same amount of things. I'm sorry. It's like Paul McCartney's friends being like, when are you taking us on tour? He's like, why would I do that? Yeah, but like, that's, that's, I don't know, it just was really, it really irritates me. It's just like... It feels like you're talking down to your viewers. We're somehow only halfway through this movie. Oh, we're going to plow through this. It's just so weird and convoluted. Anyway, so everyone's really mad at everyone. Um, everyone leaves the roof. Um, and then we have a weird close-up of a BMW as it pans to Courtney's place. Royce is there. And he's, like, talking to her about how nostalgic he was hearing her perform. And Nico is kind of approaching. I do, I do like Courtney's like, you have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, which is a very good point. Um, and they, and the boys, with a Z, get in each other's faces, start shoving each other. And literally, like, like so So Nico's like, like oh, like you have a fucking plate that says showboy. Like, what's up with that? And then, like, of course, he's like, of course, like, Royce is like, can the showboy do this? Can the showboy do this? And the only funny joke that actually landed in this was after the exchange, like Nico going, that was the weirdest trash talking I've ever heard. <laughs> and for a moment, I felt connected to the movie. Oh, God. There was some movie I was watching where, like, a football... No, it was that stupid show Popular where a football player wanted to be part of the drama club and just he was completely weirded out. Well, it didn't happen... That, because it wasn't written well, and that show was terrible. But I just would have loved it if, like, Nico was a football player, and he's just like, you know what, I've always wanted to sing, and I'm gonna sing this year. But, like, and he's entering this world where there's, like, super, like, these hyper, like, weird trash-talking rules. And he's just like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> right. Um, but... Just think, of, just think of one of your Friday Night Lights boys. In, my Friday Night Lights... Yeah, my Friday Night Lights boys, yes. In this, like... Getting trash talked by uh, Royce. <laughs> yeah, no, I there there is a character I, that that can fill a similar slot for the sake of the weirdness of it. So I am delighted. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I wish it. I wish we had something like that. But anyway, um, Nico enters his apartment, and. Or, like, no, the hunters, her place, whatever. Um, he says that, you know, we're going to do things your way, Courtney. And Cor Courtney is like, no, like, my way doesn't work. Um, then she whips out this thing called Show Choir Beat. And there's an article in it that's critical of the late, of the performance at the state fair. Um, and it says that, and she's just like, it says, like, basically, like, you know, it's, it's just very uninspired. Her whole entire thing. Like, it's very just... There's... It just doesn't really have very much heart to it. This this I did feel was kind of real because, you know, there's those, like, local reviewers who feel like they hold such power. Absolutely. Like, like I'm gonna shit on, like... These high schoolers. Not to be ill of the dead, but, like, when Anthony Bourdain would, like, make fun of food courts. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yes. It's... 
Yeah, you could definitely, like, hear it unfolding. Or, like, you know, and, and, you know, they really could have taken it a step further and did it, like, online social media and stuff. Like, I wish this, this rivalry was more based in social media. Because I feel like that's that's where it would be fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, but I know in 2009, I think a lot of writers were still very like, let's wait it out to see if this has lasting power as a concept. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, she's like, you know what, they're right. Like, th- we are, you know, we're not what we need to be. Um, and her mom walks in and sees that they're together. And she's just like, well, at least it's not Royce. So, like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's the only, like, likable character other than Janet, I swear to God. Um, and she's like, you know what, Courtney? Like, you should push the envelope. Like, try and do something different and try and do what you can to win. Um, we go to the re- record person, the A&R person. Like, I, I don't even know if this person got a name. I don't remember. Rich Dickinson. Oh, right. Anyway, <laughs> this guy... Dick Dickinson. Right. This guy... <laughs> Dick Dickinson gets a call from, like, the actual exact who is like, hey, do you have any talent coming around? And he is, like, looking at a flyer, which I guess is the band that Nico is in flux. Huh. I don't even know how he got that flyer. Anyway, he's, like, looking I, at wasn't it. Wasn't flux coming in after Nico or something? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> you can tell how little I care because usually I'm like, oh, wait, let's try and figure that out. Anyway, um, he's like, oh, wait, I do know someone potentially. Then we go to school. Courtney comes into the re- like rehearsal space and defends Nico. Um, and Nico walks in with like a bolt of lame fabric wrapped around him like a toga? Question mark. I read it. It was supposed to be a dress, and they were just going to be like doing more shitty coding. Okay, th- I don't know either way. I. I was so confused by this. And he's just like, think of all the coffees you can make out of this. Um, there's more... Okay, and this is where things get really bizarre in this movie. Because there is a laugh track in this scene. Yeah, it's just, like, very odd. Um, he also explains, like, why he needed the money and defends Courtney and stuff like that. The group is very uninterested. I should still get the money, but defend Courtney. (laughs) Right? And then Courtney is, like, just kind of, like, has, like, a weird dance meltdown. Um, and, like, dances in the hall and is like, yeah, I'm spontaneous, yeah, I'm spontaneous, yeah, I'm spontaneous, fucking look at me. And this is the moment they use the term, the new spazzy Courtney. Yep. Yep, they do. American listeners, you might be confused while we're bringing special attention to that, because spazzy has a different meaning in the UK. It is a very offensive term. Yeah, it is. Um, let's remember to add ableist content warning. I'll put a, I'll do one of my pre-recorded things that's a good before idea. the theme song that's a good idea um yeah because yeah anyway so that line happens and then like this is where this movie truly jumps shark to me because then the advisor comes in and is like hey here's an 80s song that you can do that nico knows the group and knows about the song which was basically only played at one live performance the last show that this band ever did but was never recorded but I guess had some sort of, like, B-side bullshit or, like, whatever. Anyway. It, it's a band called Herringbone. And yeah. And they've been super important to the... No, they haven't been mentioned before at all in the movie. No, no, not at all. And the advisor is, like, you know, they're like, wow, what? how can we get the rights to it? And the advisor's like, I know. Which would have been a great moment when the music producer is talking to Nico and being like, you remind me a lot of, like, 
you kind of have a herringbone sound to you. I think that would have been perfect. <laughs> also, argument for this movie. I think this movie would have actually been interesting if it was from this advisor's point of view. Yes. <laughs> if this was a story about... What eventually is revealed that he was a former rock star who had the chance of fame, decided he couldn't handle it, went to become a music teacher, and sees his potential like mentee. There is there is a movie like that. It's called School of Rock. That's true. Which, which honestly... It's pretty charming. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> but like, it would this would this is where it like goes left in a way that is very jarring for the movie itself, but would have ended up being a very different, interesting movie. Anyway, <laughs> there's a very pause as we heard the cats jump into them. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, they then perform like without any like pre preparation kind of the song because like everyone suddenly knows this song that nobody like ever has heard a formal recording of that was from a band that nico knew but is not necessarily a band that everyone knows i'm fucking lost here and i can't anyway so there's like lots of montaging with rehearsals and nico also doing chores and stepping up at home then he's at the uh he's at his apartment he's coming back from the restaurant complete with like giving the guy giving uh, his brother like like having like a sandwich for his brother and shit a cattle hustle sandwich or something i don't know and guess who's there it's the a and r guy how did the a and r guy find out where he lives who knows yeah and he's like hey nico i want to sign you i contacted the band we can, you can record with them, and then we'll drop them later. It's fine. Like, what? <laughs> this is not how the music industry works. This is not how contracts work. Start a fucking band camp like everyone else, Nico. <laughs> Which one's going under? Is it Bandcamp or SoundCloud? SoundCloud. Oh, yeah, because Bandcamp is just like, hey, you want to buy this music? Here, buy this music. We'll get a cut. And SoundCloud's just like, we just been burning money. <laughs> I love Bandcamp. I will die for so many artists that are like only on Bandcamp. There's this one um, good artist named Femi C who does like Adventure Zone fan songs. Oh yeah, I have heard about this person. Yeah, I've heard a couple songs. Um, the one called I'm an Idiot makes me cry. Hmm. I, I have heard one or two songs myself. But um, anyway, so the A&R guy is like, yeah, so the exec is only available on Saturday night. What? Uh, what? <laughs> so, so you guys can perform in the studio, and we can see if you're a good fit, because that's how that works. Yeah, but you, you can't record a demo. What happened to recording a demo? <laughs> record a fucking demo and send it to the exact. Why is this hard? Like, MacBooks are a thing, right? Like, I'm sitting here. Garage Band like, is a. Th- I had a MacBook at this point. Yeah, Garage Band installed on it when I bought it. It's just really fucking weird. And then... That MacBook survived the entire Obama administration. Fuck. And then I understand that the purpose of this was to um, give a conflict for Nico, because obviously Saturday is when the con- when the performance happens, but I feel like there were ten hundred other ways before you ended up at this one to give Nico a conflict that had to do with his, self- like his self-motivated music career versus his collective music career. His brother's like, guess what? I got a job on an oil rig. We're moving out to, like, British Columbia. Fucking tomorrow. <laughs> So, let's go. He's like, oh shit, I can't get student welfare fast enough for this. Right? Like, give me something to go off of. Jesus, fuck. Anyway, so, um, he, of course, is like, oh, I got work. Uh, Because he's hiding still about the show choir thing. And the brother and AR guy like, just drop the ship. Drop the job. Who gives a shit? You're going to be a music, you're going to be a musician, baby. Being a 
fucking show choir is, like, a better kept secret than, like, if Nico had killed somebody. Like, <laughs> as much shame is being, like, heaped upon show choir that he does not want to say that's what he's doing. I know, right? Um, we go to rehearsal. Courtney is, like, super pumped about the performance. She really feels that there's a potential victory here. And Nico looks like he's going to tell her about the fact that he can't perform, and then he just can't. We go to Nico's apartment, and his ex-girlfriend is looking for him, um, and his brother is like, oh, well, he's at work, and she's like, oh, show choir? That's work? Ha 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 ha. And it's just, like, in total, like, mean ex-girlfriend sabotage mode, um, and, you know, blows holes in all of his story, um, and is really mean about it, and then leads Stavros to rehearsal to walk in on him performing and of course stavros of course has like a, a meltdown because how could his younger brother be in fucking show choir this there this is the one moment that made me laugh he's like this explains why you never had any books with you it's just so weird and it's really frustrating because we've seen once again we've seen this play out in a way that was actually like endearing like high school musical that is a big conflict which is like troy and his father and his father wanting him to be a basketball player, and because, like, you know, he expects him to be, and then Troy being like, oh, but I like music, and, like, how can I share that piece with you? And I feel like it's done in a way with so much sincerity, and here it's so half-assed. He's just kind of like, what are you doing? Bah, you're not working. You're a liar. Like, you know, and, it, you know, it's just, like, a really weird thing, because the girl ex- girlfriend is like oh yeah well you know he's gonna perform and on saturday he's gonna leave you all in the dirt and the courtney's really upset and then like robin spontaneously busts her ankle yeah which is really weird maybe you should learn how to walk because you're clumsy because you know that's the best we can do yeah exactly um and then we go back to the roof of nico's apartment and suddenly, the advisor materializes, which is really confusing. Mr. Romano, his name is. I just, I don't know. And he's just kind of like, you know, Nico's like, hey, like, while you're here, weird teacher who materialized at my apartment, you want to tell me, like, what the fuck I should do? Um, and, you know, the advisor gives him some, some little, like, breadcrumbs until Nico realizes that he is a, he's actually a was at one point a musician named Joey Rome. Um, and Nico is like... Actually, I think Joey Rome was referenced in the studio. But I, I, I thought it was Joey Ramon, Ramon but yeah. I checked the subtitle and it did say Joey Rome. I was like, why did they spell Ramon wrong? <laughs> but I think they did. Since Herringbone is the band, Joey Rome... I think it's also foolish to call him Joey Rome. I know they wanted to Rome to Romano type thing. And they wanted to make, like, the jump kind of obvious. But I feel like you probably shouldn't do that while also referencing the fucking Ramones. <laughs> oh, this movie's garbage. Uh, anyway, so, like, Nico is like, wow, like, you, you were known for your musical integrity. Like, you avoided being a rock star and selling out. And he was like... 
No, fucking dumbass. I didn't do that because of that. I did that because I was too fucking anxious to be a musician. <laughs> and by the way, this music teacher job, I'm still getting royalties. <laughs> yeah, right? And, like, he's just, like, and, like, you know, Nico's like, you can still do this. And he's... <laughs> Which now makes, like, why didn't he just pay for the costumes? If Harry Bone was such a big fucking deal and still people know that fucking band. And know, the, know tracks that were never formally recorded. <laughs> yes. Why did he not just put out, like, what was probably, like, two grand for new uniforms or costumes, whatever you want to call them? It's, it makes no sense. And then he's like... He's like, know, oh, I have a bake sale. <laughs> and then he like he's like you know my window is like you know my door is closed as a musician like, bullshit I, bullshit <laughs> i do understand like will you ever hit the fame that herringbone apparently did no but it sounds like you have enough stake in the music industry because as soon as people realize who he is they're like oh showy rome Okay, the Pixies broke up around this time. They got back together now. They were fine. (laughs) Yeah, like, it sounds like this is a guy that had enough clout that he easily could do an anniversary show and make some money off of it. Anyway. Smash Mouth is still so, you know. (laughs) Yeah, like, this is somebody that had enough of a following. But, um, you know, he's like, you know what? Like, I can't do anything. But, Nico, you have a choice. Um, But it has to be what you want. And then we go to Courtney's, and she's kind of futzing around with the costumes and crying, and she's a mess, and her mother's trying to console her. Um, and, here, and mother's the real MVP. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, Tame and Sursak, who plays Courtney, like, yeah, I know her from Pretty Little Liars. She's a good actress. Like... I'm taking your word for it. She's rough in this. Well, she's I doing, know the material's not she, giving yeah, her much. she's doing the best she can. Yeah, the, it's not giving her much. But, like, when she's playing Jenna, like... It's actually pretty good. Because, <laughs> like, she gets to play evil. And it's, well, vengeful. Because can't really call someone evil. They're just getting revenge for being blinded by a bunch of assholes. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Pretty um, Little Liars are not good people. <laughs> no, I did not think they would be. Um, we go to outside the venue, and Nico is helping the band load, because now he's learned responsibility, and the group is, like, super mean about it. Like, oh, now you're fucking doing shit. Wow. Except for one dude, and who cares? Yeah, exactly. A guy that we have no characterization or development about. Um, he disappeared at the beginning of the movie, is now only reappearing. Yeah. And- to be like, you should think about what you want. Right. I exist to help you, straight white man. <laughs> but um, Courtney approaches him as he's preparing, um, and he tries to apologize about the fact that he's choosing the the venue, the the performance over her, and she kisses him. Good luck. Woof. Um, meanwhile, the show choir crew is getting ready for their show, and everyone is super nervous. Um, and Courtney is just like, you know, we all gotta just kind of achieve our dreams. This is our dream here. Nico is performing and that's his dream and all that type of bullshit. I mean, I, I really feel like if my friend was just like, yo, I'm gonna screw you over, but I'm going to get a fucking record contract. It'd be a pretty shitty thing for me to do. Like, man, fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's hard because like, once again, like I, I felt this way about High School Musical 2 where everyone's so mad at Troy for trying to p- actively pursue. Yeah. <laughs> His, his dream of being a college basketball player. Like, that's not... I'm sorry, that's not a collective effort. That's just not. <laughs> you, you, you can't be mad at somebody who was the best player in your high school having the chance to, to make a team. <laughs> if Donnie or I ever gets, like, a, you know, writing contract, I hope the other one won't be like, you just let me down. Yeah, like, why didn't we collaborate on that? <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's like, it's it's... It's just, like, it just makes no sense to me. Um, anyway, 
So, um, the, she's like, okay, we're all gonna achieve our dreams. Meanwhile, Nico is trying to record, and his heart is just not in it. Um, and, you know, the exec is kind of ready to write it all off, and he just kind of leans in, he's like, wait, I can show you where my heart is. Like, you know, come with me, I'm gonna show you. So, obviously, he's going to performance. I can show you where the heart is, and he pulls out a DVD of where the heart is. <laughs> he's like, this is all an elaborate joke, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for wasting everyone's time. And the costumes that they came up with was, let's just rip off the white stripes. Yes, that's true. But um, Tada performs first, and they're wearing like different outfits. They were kind of fun. I like the sleeves on the girls' dresses. A lot of gold. They love gold. Um, they perform, and I feel nothing. And <laughs> Tammy is super mad. I'm sorry. We've been going on for nearly two hours, and that just kind of sums it up. They perform. I feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. How do you t- like my like my sister and I believe a lot of other people have said like how do you tell. If, like, if something's art, it makes you feel something. That's right, this movie made us feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, the thing about it was, like, it wasn't even the type of thing where I felt, like, pissed off and, like... Because, like, sometimes I watch... Like, she's too young. Like, we went hard because I was mad. And, like, at least I had that. It, it provoked me. This didn't even provoke me. I was just kind of like, they look okay. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the outfits are kind of cool. Um, Tammy is, like, super mad, and Royce is super cocky, and Courtney is like, oh, yeah, well, haha, we're gonna go perform now. Um, so Courtney and, Courtney's, the piece opens up, it usually is Courtney and Nico doing a, a duet. Caspian has to jump in to do the duet. Everyone is, like, really, like, bleh, about it, because Caspian is super theater, and his voice doesn't really blend with Courtney's. Um, haha. Um, and then as they're, like, finishing up the duet piece, Nico appears with the band in, like, an explosion. The band is set up on, like, high-risers and shit. How? How did you fucking- (laughs) How did we sneak set up a band? (laughs) Right? Like, Like, how did we tune them? How did we make sure they were all, like, wired correctly? uh, How do you set up a fucking drum kit? (laughs) Right? Like- (laughs) Makes no sense. And once again, and my thing with this is, is that this was a movie that was trying to pride itself on organic musical numbers, and yet it would do that shit, and then it becomes really jarring. In a musical, you could pull that off, and you'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, sure. Like, there are plenty of musicals that have done things like that, where, like, suddenly everyone does, like, this big piece, everyone's coming together. Think about, like, Hairspray, and that whole entire big moment at the end with You Can't Stop the Beat, where, like, everybody is there, everyone comes in at the same time, everything's falling into place just so. And because it's a musical, and because it's kind of operating in a wacky kind of world already, you're already, you're bought into it. You're not sitting there going, how the fuck did they coordinate all of this? It just works. In this, you're thinking, wait, I'm supposed to be in a world where all of this makes sense, and yet the logic is falling here. Yeah. Anyway, so the also, how does the band suddenly know the song? I don't fucking know. Um, and <laughs> what, like, if, if I was that record executive, I'd be like, "Are you fucking kidding me? We have to leave here." Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, "Kid, do you know how precious my fucking time is? Every minute I talk to you is ten thousand dollars. I'm not making somewhere else." It's true though. So the execs are taking a seat. Uh, the band is just kind of jumping in. Janet has a little feature. Um, and like Robin is gonna fall because of course she is. Uh, but she falls on. I guess her name is Amy. I think Amy. The, Amy, the guitarist, is Amy dead? <laughs> <laughs> Amy falls flat on her face and is just kind of like 
She's dead. <laughs> She's dead. We buried her. I seen the body. <laughs> like, I'm kind of sitting there. I'm like, uh, is she okay? Did she break her neck? Like, are we going to talk about this? Because that's kind of a high fall. Cut to the last scene. No, Amy. <laughs> right? And it's just like, um, you know, and Nico is like, you know, super excited and introduces Joe. Mr. Romano just appears to play the guitar. I think instead. he was moving to see if Amy was okay. Yeah, he's like he was like, just trying to do his job. And then he's like, okay, fuck, I guess I'll play the guitar instead of checking on this teenage girl. Right? So he, like, kind of jumps in. Everyone loves it. Stavros is proud. Royce is super excited um, and claps. And Tammy tentatively claps. Um, and then, you know, they do the whole performance. They're wearing red, black, and white. To reference back to your critique of how they're kind of doing the white stripes. I do understand this choice in the sense that they didn't have costumes, so what's easy colors to coordinate, I do get that. Well, it's just, I mean, but it's also a strong color combination. There's a reason Green Day ripped it off, too. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. It's very eye-catching. Um, anyway, so they we go to the award ceremony, and we have all of this hype, and fucking ta-da wins, because Spectacular is disqualified for having unregistered members, which, like, you I never understand this trope because it's just like maybe I'm too like in the case of like these types of situations like I'm too motivated to win that if like we did fancy shit just to get disqualified I'd be fucking pissed (laughs) I just be like fuck you guys fuck you Mr. Romano for just appearing on the stage fuck your whole band Nico like fuck all of you Courtney's like we had a shot (laughs) it's just like uh, anyway, anyway, uh, even more nonsense happens, and the thing the the well, record Tammy is, dumps Royce. Don't forget that. I don't care. She's just like fuck you. I don't care about Royce. I don't care about Tammy. I don't care about any of them. You know what my character rankings for this entire movie is? Everybody sucks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the exec comes in. And, like, is like, yeah, I'll sign you. Here's a contract. Just put down your band name. Oh, yeah, shitty polyphonic spree. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then Nico has a moment of humility in which he's like, you know what? Like, I can't take all the credit for this band. Like, yeah, I sing, but I didn't write the lyrics. He wrote the lyrics, gesturing to the guy who was pissed off because he didn't sing a second verse. And then they're like, well, you're the one. Because apparently he... But he didn't even write the lyrics. This doesn't make any sense. Because he was performing a song that was a herringbone song. So why does he get anything about the lyrics? If they cared about the lyrics, they wouldn't have followed Deco to the fucking performance. They would have just signed the other guy for songwriting to, like, work for the label to write songs. I don't fucking understand. I'm dead inside. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Like this... Oh, God. Anyway, so Nico... Please please just end this. We're almost done. Nico is... Nico just kind of stands there as Romano follows the boy and the execs. He's like, I gotta go through the contract. Leaving Courtney and Nico able to big smooth. They, like, smooth so much. And Gwen's watching it because they lean in, like, three times. And every single time, Gwen's like, ugh. 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 I don't know if there's even credits at this point. Yeah, because like, I, I saw like no, no, there are credits because Nico. Well, then, no, because like, it's like I'm gonna sign. You're like I'm done. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have enough. I'm going away with Donnie to record. Right. The last part of it, the end credits, is Nico recording with Romano and 
the band and Courtney and Spectacular, which once again goes into that thing where sometimes individualized goals do not lead to the collective all ending up in the same place. Why the fuck? The studio would be like, oh, you want a choir? We can actually, like, rent you a choir. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, have those high school kids. Yeah, let's get, like, a dozen high school kids, all with different parents and all with different contracts and all with different, like, rules to them and make a band out of that because that'll work. That'll be super easy to manage. Utterly incoherent. This movie was awful. It did not do great in ratings, and I'm not surprised. Andrea Lewis, you deserve better. She truly does. And, like, that's the thing. It's, like, you could tell in the two seconds you could hear her voice that it was good. And, the like, it didn't make any sense to have the cast that it did. Like, it didn't make sense to have any of the supporting characters. It, It honestly, like, just, they didn't bring anything to the table. I guess, like, Tajid and Caspian almost move pieces of the plot. But barely. Like, this is the A-plus material from, like, Disney and Nick. Like, all these people are known, like, char- like actors. Like, fucking Victoria's Brothers, you know, the Tajid and Tammy. Like, Royce is from theater. Like, there's all this talent that is just... It's either wasted or they just didn't give a shit. One of the two. Yeah. Or both. I mean, it just kind of speaks to how the, the, the structure of it was not there. The music was not compelling or memorable. The story was incoherent. You put it together, what do you got? You got a mediocre thing. You could hire some of the best actors, singers, what have you. But if the content doesn't shine, you're going to end up with this bloated mess of like, very long programming. This is very long TV movie. Yeah, and because like I, th- you know, it, with that, with commercials, the re- there's the reason they did this about commercials because the commercial be three hours long. Yeah, it's such a long movie, and that's the part that confuses me the most about this. Is like I feel like sometimes TV movies are so tight, and it's like okay, we can only do so much. And there's an awareness of the length that they have. In this one, it was like they were given all of this time to do nothing with it. And it's just like, Nickelodeon, you're Nickelodeon, you're not Disney. Whenever you're Disney, you fail at it. Just be Nickelodeon. I read um, Slimed, The Oral History of Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. It's a super interesting read. I haven't read it yet. Well, it's just like, they had this thing where they're just like, you know, we're going to make shows that we think, like, kids are going to, like, they had, they didn't have a plan per se, but they did just keep experimenting. Like, oh, yeah. That didn't work, that didn't work. And what I really liked about it is that, like, when Clarissa Explains It All came on and Clarissa became their biggest star, they're like, no matter what you do, no matter, like... You know, how old she gets, we're not going to sexualize her in any way. Yeah. And then they, like, but then Clarissa was becoming a young woman, and she's like, I have this, like, corset I want to wear on the show. And they're like, how can we do this? And they're like, or make that the episode where Clarissa's shoplifts. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, they were just so much better before, like, because all the, I feel like the entire change to Nickelodeon came on when Spongebob happened. Yeah. And suddenly they had they knew what success was like. Yeah. Because before this, it was just like, we're flying by the seat of our pants. Like, we got to hope there's going to be money later. Exactly. And, like, a lot of the older Nick programming, not to put on nostalgia glasses, because I know it's very easy to do so, 
But I feel like when we talk about some of those older programs, like when we talk about Hey Arnold, we've talked about Hey Arnold on the show, and a lot of it was be- is because there's a lot of these emotional beats that Hey Arnold addresses that in many ways Degrassi does. Mm-hmm. In many ways, Hey Arnold is kind of like that younger, like I feel like I feel like it's like the elementary school level Degrassi in terms of the format of it, in terms of the fact that you are in like kind of like an urban location, you have a diverse ensemble cast, you have your, you know, you have your Arnold or your Emma, who kind of things end up going back to, but ultimately you are seeing how life is different for everyone in this space. And hey arnold like went to some heavy places sometimes i loved it for that yeah exactly like i really like the fact that i was really into hey arnold as a kid makes a lot of sense to me because then i went to degrassi and i feel like it was a very easy shift for me as a kid but um and you know even when we talk about rugrats like rugrats was not my favorite show but i really liked the specials about the jewish holidays because i knew (laughs) that that was my way that was a way that my friend my jewish friends and i would be able to connect I didn't know about Passover until I watched the Rugrats yeah. Passover special or Hanukkah, which I still am confused about. It, it It's like one of those things that I was able to, like, that was like a moment because that was a moment that, like, my Jewish friends felt like they were a part of something in the sense that, like, a lot of media is like, oh, we got a Christmas episode, we got an Easter episode, and, like, Rugrats was the way for them to be like, oh, fuck yeah, like, I got an episode about, like, my holiday. Like, oh, let's watch that. And I feel like, like, that's where Nickelodeon really shines. And I, I, I guess, like, yeah, like, with Spongebob, it was really successful. I am not the biggest Spongebob fan. I, it's n- just not for me. I, I, I see why people like it. It's just not for me. Um, I don't have fun, so that's not surprising. I, 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 the thing is, like, I'm going to be a little bit harsher, but the thing is, like, I grew up, you know, on Doug, Rockwood's Modern Life, All Real Monsters... Like, all those all those shows were just so phenomenal to me. And then Spongebob just kind of annoyed me half the time. And just bothered me. And I was just, like... It felt like each, each of those shows, they had something to say. And Spongebob was just, like, inane. I mean, yeah. I, I think that there is a level of insightfulness, which I, I feel like insight it's just insight that's all the word is it's not insightfulness it's insight um i feel like what it comes down to is like i feel like the reason why there is a lot of nostalgia toward nickelodeon shows in a way that endures a little more than nostalgia for other programming during that time period is that you had these human lessons that came out of it i remember the like the helga goes to therapy oh god yeah no Um. helga Helga fucks me up because I'm Helga anyway. <laughs> um, the episode of Rocker's Modern Life where Heifer uh, chokes on, like, a chicken bone and, like, Rocco has to go into him to, that's like, see him. fucked up, And it's yeah. just, like, that's a very good lesson on how to not be a shitty, selfish friend. Yeah, exactly. Like, there, there is something that prevails in it. Um, well, I actually had a friend in high school who pointed out something about Doug, where she kept saying, like... Everybody in that show was a different color, and nobody seemed to ever give a shit. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> but then, like, then I, re- like, grew up, and I realized, like, certain people are coded certain ways in that show. 100%. So? 100%. It's, it's... I mean, that's a thing we can unpack at a different time. I just feel like this has already gone very long, and I also don't want to be one of those 90s kids who just kind of goes hard for... The 90s, because I think that the 90s had its own shitty problems. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, anyway. The, the one good 
perfect thing to come from the early alts is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. That's true. Um, but anyway, in terms of this, I would not recommend this movie. I don't think it's worth watching. It's not worth watching in supporting um, in supporting our girl, Ms. Go, Lewis. Go listen to her albums. Yeah, like, go listen to her albums. Um, I believe she has a YouTube series that she has done as well. She she is actively working. It's just you gotta kind of... I would recommend following her on social media because she's really good at um, posting that stuff. And she elevates a lot of black voices as well in terms of other creative projects. So I would recommend following her and seeing what she's up to and um, supporting her work as well as the work that she's trying to elevate as well. Because she's actively doing stuff. I totally understand why she signed on to this movie, though. Yeah. I do not hate her for it, especially because it sounds like the way that the um, contract was. It was like, if this does well, there will be sequels. I totally understand why she did that. Um, I honestly feel like that meme of, like, Tiffany Haddish holding Kevin Hart and, like, pushing somebody away, and it's just, like, us holding Andrea Lewis and pushing away Spectacular. I know, that's exactly <laughs> it, though. But, um, in terms of recommendations, High School Musical's not perfect, but I feel like ultimately, like, just watch High School Musical. Like, if you really need to watch something like this, just do that. I'll also recommend something I'm just enjoying. I finished up Tuca and Birdie, and I really liked it, so speaking of <laughs> Tiffany Haddish... Um, I really loved it. I really, truly did. It, it fucked me up in, to a certain extent, which is predictable because of the, you know... That's the, what good art does. That's what good art does. And also, it's, you know, it's BoJack Horseman Origins. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I just completed it last night. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really love how surreal it fucking got. <laughs> um, There's humans and giant birds. Isn't that a weird thing? <laughs> well, no, not even that. Well, that's a line from the show. I know, but like, that's not even like, oh my God. I just, I, I just, I love the episode in which the woman becomes like a mall tchotchke <laughs> fucking stand. Like I screamed when that happened. It's, I, my husband and I watched through it. It's a very good show. Yeah, so I recommend those two things. Like I said, High School Musical's not perfect. It also has its own range of queer coding and stuff like that. But, you know, if you really need to scratch the itch of this type of stuff, just go with the, go straight to the source. Um, I'm going to date this episode a little bit in that um, we're recording this on June 4th and, like, Pride Month just started. So I'm going to recommend the EP Universal Love. Um, it is a group of artists doing kind of like gender swap songs, um, like Bob Dylan singing He's Funny That Way, St. Vincent singing And Then She Kissed Me, um, Kelly Okereke singing My Guy, so I just think that's pretty rad, um, all the songs are very good on it, it's always, and I Love Him by Benjamin Gibbard, um, and I'm also gonna recommend... Probably until the end of time, Booksmart and Killing Eve. Sounds so. about right. Booksmart, still very good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I have. Um, anyway, so we're going to be back next week. We're going to be doing Season 4, Episode 1 um, and 2. Uh, we're super excited to jump into Season 4. We're going to be doing some pretty fun stuff. Um, we're going to have some guests, some returning guests, some new folks. Um... Of course, if you're interested, you want to get in on season four and making this season the best that it could be, um, please email us at ihopod at gmail.com. Do not hesitate to ask about any 
hosting opportunities. Remember that this is a paid thing, so we pay our guests to be able to appear and talk to us for a little bit about Degrassi. It's a super fun time for us, and it will probably be a fun time for you as well. So please email us with any interest in it, whether it's specific episodes, you just want to be on wherever we kind of have a lull, or if you have specific characters you would like to be talking about, email us. If you want to send us any text or audio recordings talking about how Degrassi means something to you, characters mean something to you, etc., etc., also do not hesitate to email us. Um, so, also, if you want to support us, um, you can also follow us on social media. We have a Facebook group called I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, please join us if you are so interested. Also, we have a Twitter account at I Hope Pod. Um, we also have some some ways that you can support the show. One way is um, in terms of other ways. So one of them is our coffee. Uh, we have a coffee account. Feel free to go onto it and donate a coffee. Any money that we make off of it goes toward guests or tech upgrades. Also, you can do our review challenge. So once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to go back to the Degrassi archive to give you some bonus content relating to Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Um, we are still making our way to that goal, so if you want us to get there quicker, please do not hesitate to write a review for us, and we really appreciate everyone that has so far. Um, other than that, um, I'm just blanking. I don't know why I'm blanking. Anyway, um, thank you so much, everyone, who has supported the show so far. Um, we really appreciate it, and we cannot wait to jump into season four especially because this was such a dour note to kind of go in between. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at DM is unbreakable. I don't have a Twitter, but you can hit up my other podcast, Teen Girl Talk, where my sister and I talk about movies that are somehow worse than this. Um, <laughs> Sarah Burgess is a loser. was even worse. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe that. I haven't seen it, but I believe it. Just don't ever watch premise. it. Don't I, ever watch it. <laughs> I do not plan on it. I'm also um, talking to the people. Don't even do it like a dare thing. Don't watch it. It's true. Don't even support it. Don't give Netflix the the data yeah. to rationalize anything. Um, anyway, that being said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Nelson, I propose a little contest. Your swing choir against mine. Mono a mono. What do you say? Well, I was no slouch in the swing choir department myself, so, uh, guys, Gypsy, what do you say? I say let's dust his pasty swing choir butt! Yeah. yeah! Good! Well, here are your costumes and some suggested charts. Thank you, Frankie. Uh, Franklin and I will start first. Uh, standard swing choir scoring. Uh, oh, and I'll be the judge. Here we go. Long and tall and tan and lovely, the guys from Deep 13 go walking. I'm walking in your footsteps. I'm walking in his footsteps. We are family.